There's something about his photos and his eyes that really just like screamed out at me. And I was like, I, I think I need to bring that dog home. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today on Dog Words, I'll tell you about some happy border collies. We'll talk about a special kind of foster care with our guest, Jesse Schroyer. And I'll give you a tip for something you can do with your peanut butter. In each episode of Dog Words, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us. And they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love this podcast. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to rosiefund.org slash podcast to share your thoughts. Download and subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And please, share this podcast with your friends. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. At rosiefund.org, you'll find links to like Rosie Fund on Facebook, follow on Instagram, subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel, choose Rosie Fund as your charity on Amazon Smile, and check out the store in the Rosie Fund Town Square. Of course, you can donate to Rosie Fund via the website, but just following us on social media helps give more exposure to Rosie Fund and the dogs we help. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Now, let's see what's in the news. Here's what's in the news from Mother Nature News. In January of 2017, the worst wildfires in Chile's recorded history ravaged over a million acres of land. Enter dog trainer Francisca Torres and three border collies. Each dog wore a specially designed pouch filled with native seeds. As the dogs sprint through the ash-covered forest, the seeds scatter from the pouches. The dogs can cover up to 18 miles each day, far more than a human could, and high-energy, intelligent working dogs like Border Collies relish the job. Post-fire seeding is not without controversy. Some feel it interferes with an established pattern of recovery. A certain type of fire might encourage a certain type of seedling which could be eaten by a certain animal, which could attract other animals, and the entire system comes back online. Defenders say the goal of reseeding is to encourage rapid growth, box out invasive or non-native plants, and reduce the chances of erosion while the forest gets back on its feet. But if reseeding is on the table, some happy dogs are ready to get to work. That's what's in the news. If you have news you'd like us to share on Dog Words, go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org and use the submission form. Today on Dog Words, we're speaking with Jesse Schroyer about fostering, and not just any foster experience, but a very specific kind of experience, hospice fostering. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Phil. A little bit of, I guess, our collective background. We've known each other for a few years that we uh, went through a yoga teacher certification Indeed. together and have stayed connected both through yoga and through dogs. Absolutely. All the dogs. And our dogs are friends, Peaches and Rosa. And prior to Peaches, Jesse knew Rosie, who was really no dog's friend, except for a few <laughs> select uh, dogs, very special circumstances. So Rosa and Rosie never got together. But Peaches and Rosa are great friends. In fact, they are probably going to make their presence known at some point during this interview if they have thoughts because they're they're roaming around the studio. <laughs> Jesse, a while back you became a foster parent for dogs through KC Pet Project. How did that happen? 
Yes. So I had been following various social media of Casey Pet Project, and one of um, an offshoot of their Instagram is Dogs of Casey PP. And I've been following that for quite some time. And that's a lot of, a lot of times that's where you would see where available fosters were coming up. So if anytime a new dog came into the shelter that wasn't doing well in the environment, or in this case, they were looking for a hospice foster. And so I had seen these dogs so many times and um, had thought about being a foster, but knew that I could only commit to being a short-term foster just based around my circumstances and because one, some of the foster situations are open-ended. It's just until yes. that dog gets adopted or until it's properly socialized to go back into the shelter, and you don't know how long that'll take. Yes, and some, like how when you started with Rosie, it was a, well, it has to be for six weeks or mm-hmm. because they're going through medical treatment. So I knew that I had a big trip planned uh, several months later and knew I couldn't commit to an open-ended foster situation But I saw this little guy, he wasn't that little, come up on that Dogs of KCP Instagram and his, there's something about his photos and his eyes that really just like screamed out at me. And I was like, I I think I need to bring that dog home specifically because Rosa is also selective in her dog friends and has always gotten along better with older dogs and males. And I think that's because she grew up around my parents' dog, who was an older male. So I thought an older male would be a good fit with her. When you decided this was the dog for you, what was the next step? I reached out to Casey Pet Project just per the instructions and said, do you still need a foster for this boy? His name was Huck. And they said, yes, can you send us more information, you know, through this email address? So I just sent them you know, my brief background with dogs and they asked, can you come in and have a meet and greet? And I, I think it was that same day or the next day I got in to meet that sweet boy on the grounds of Casey pet project. And basically they, you know, watched how we interacted and we're like, okay, like if you're ready to do this, we're ready. Like he needs to get out of here because the shelter environment was pretty stressful for him. As a hospice foster, what do they tell you about his end-of-life expectations? So I'd never fostered before at all, and I went in with a hospice foster understanding and knowing what the end would be Mm -hmm. very, very clearly. And so they had asked, like, had I been through that experience before? Was I comfortable being in that experience? And I absolutely was. That was part of the reason why I chose to do a hospice dog was – because I know how important it was for me to be there with our parents' dog when we had to let him cross the Rainbow Bridge, and never would I want uh, a dog to not feel loved towards the end of that journey. I met Huck. Huck was not terribly old, but he had health issues. Yes. He came in as a stray, and when he came in, he was... Uh, He'd clearly been somebody's dog because he was very loving, very, very affectionate. Anytime I sat down in a chair, he was immediately on my lap. Not like, let me sit with you, but on my lap, like crawling up me almost like a cat. He loved to be loved and loved to love you back. Uh, So he belonged to somebody at some point, but he had never been neutered and had been roaming about for quite some time. He was very skinny So they neutered him at the age of 11, 
And when they neutered him and they did a whole bunch of tests, they then discovered he was actually in stage four kidney failure and had heartworms and had severe arthritis in his spine. So, And when they got him in, he had kennel cough. So he had just a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> and foster is probably about the only option for a dog like that, that an adopter is not looking for that list of Right. And issues. knowing that with stage four kidney failure, the life expectancy isn't very long. Uh, it can be anywhere from just a couple weeks to even up to a year. But with the complications with the heartworms, they could not treat the heartworms because of all of his other health issues. He wouldn't survive the treatment. The renal failure is putting additional pressure on his heart, and obviously the heartworms weren't making that any easier, Mm -hmm. so it was just a matter of time. So we were happy to give him a home. That's a big emotional commitment, taking on any foster, but particularly a hospice foster. What sort of financial commitment was expected from you? Absolutely none. And the people at Casey Pet Project are so, so amazing. We visited the campus several times to get... They provided us with food because he was on a special diet. They provided us with all of his medication. And anytime anything at all would come up with him, uh, once we were out on a walk and I noticed that he had blood in his urine. So obviously I'm like, that's not good. I just reached out to the foster coordinator. They got him in the same day. Anytime I called, if there was something going on physically with him, they either got him in the same day or the next day. And I paid nothing for all of that. They just wanted to make sure that this boy had the best end of life that he could. What sort of expectations did you have of yourself going into this experience? You know, that's that's a really good question. I went in pretty blind because I'd never done it before. I've obviously loved, I've loved several dogs throughout their life and end of life. But, um, you know, I've never brought in a dog at that late of an age not knowing much about him. And so I was just like open to let's see what this experience is going to be. And it was, it was really, it was really good. It was challenging in some ways, uh, just because you, you, I mean, you can't help but get attached to, to these babies and especially, I I didn't spend a fraction of the time with Huck that you did, but Yeah, he was a special little guy. And we keep saying little guy because he's smaller than us, but he was a little fire plug. Yes, yes. He was, I think, about 45, 50 pounds. On a frame that could probably carry 10 or 15 pounds more than that. He was pretty lean. Very thin. Uh, He looked emaciated but and did not like to eat at first. So when you say financial commitment, I bought him like Totino's pizza rolls to put his pills in because that was the only way he would take his pills, he'd chew around his pill pockets and everything else that they gave me. Totina's Pizza Rolls, that's the secret for getting dogs to eat pills. And he's at a stage in life where you don't really have to think, okay, what's the sodium content? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, is this too many carbs for? It's like, if this makes him happy, if this gets the pills in him, he can yes. have whatever he wants. That, and that was literally what they told me. They were like, whatever it takes to get him to take his meds, do it. And as it got later as we started experiencing more and more symptoms of his disease progressing then I learned to give him an IV which was not super fun 
again, the staff at KC Pet Project is just so amazing and they walk you through everything and they're like, if you're not comfortable with this, you can come in because the fluids just helped him feel better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just like if you're dehydrated and you get fluids, you're like, oh, I've, I'm a new person. But having to administer IV was not something you expected when you no. agreed to the. So that was, a little, was that a little outside your comfort zone? <laughs> that was definitely outside my comfort zone. But again, the staff was amazing yeah. and they did not pressure me at all, but I wanted to be able to help him. And even that got to a point where they were like, if he's fighting it too much, then don't worry about it. We don't want to add any more stress to his body. So we did that for a while on and off, but it wasn't like once we got the hang of it, we had a system down. It wasn't too bad. Clearly administering IVs was not something you expected to do. Were there, were there other surprises? Yes. So I was not fully aware of some of the symptoms of his diseases. So I knew, I kind of knew the heartworms thing and the coughing that would happen and the horrible, horrible breath. Yeah, that's peaches. (laughs) I think the mics might be picking up. You have thoughts on Huck, I know, but well, that's that's for another, (laughs) that's for a future episode, peaches. We'll get, get your thoughts on Huck. (laughs) Um, but yes, symptoms of the disease. Yes. So as the, as the renal failure continued to progress, things that I knew was he would drink a ton of water, knew that he would pee a lot, knew that, uh, what I wasn't aware of was some of the other progressions, specifically the neurological symptoms that were to come up. He lasted much longer, I should say first. He lasted much longer than anyone expected him to. When I got him, they were like maybe a couple weeks. Maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month tops. And so that's what I was expecting. He actually, I had him May through August, so four full months. And uh, he was very, very bonded to me and to Rosa. Took Rosa a little bit of time to warm up. But towards the end, his neurological symptoms became, uh, he would just chew on my baseboards in my apartment or incessantly lick at the tile in my kitchen or the brick on my wall. And that's just a sign of it's ammonia buildup is what happens. And ammonia crosses the brain blood barrier. And because, yeah, it wasn't just like a nervous habit or something because he wasn't doing that initially at all or anything resembling that. Nope, not at all. And he became a little bit more aggressive as he got as he got worse. He was so fine. I'd taken him to dog parks to see how he'd do around other dogs. And he just pretty much minded his own business, but loved, really seemed to enjoy to be there Mm -hmm. and to be enjoying sniffing a whole bunch of new stuff. And he didn't play necessarily, but he like seemed to enjoy being in the company of other dogs. But as he got worse, I just don't think he felt very well. And so Get a little Uh, short-tempered. Yeah, yeah. So he was not about being around other dogs except for Rosa at that point. When you commit to a hospice foster, you know that you're going to be there at the end when they transition, but you don't know what form that's going to take. Is it just going to pass in his sleep, or is there going to be a point where you have to make a decision that what's best for this dog, what happened when Huck was close to the end? So his neurological symptoms had really gotten a lot worse. He'd been tested several times. Like I said, we'd gone back to the vet 
several times just based on other symptoms that would come up if he would stop eating or if he would throw up or if his urine changed or anything like that. And so we knew things were getting worse. And uh, they have some really wonderful technology there to be able to get those test results back really quickly. I was moving out of my apartment and leaving for Europe for six weeks. And I, like I said, nobody had expected him to last as long as he did. And <laughs> including Peaches. And we, were, we were all shocked. Peaches. <laughs> I think honestly, it was a testament to what happens to a dog when they get love mm-hmm. and how much. They said he had a few weeks. If he just stayed in a kennel in a shelter, they would probably have been right. Yes. Yes. 100%. I don't know how he would have rebounded the way that he did. They were all so shocked at as to how long he lasted and how strong he actually was. <laughs> She's just a lot of feelings. Yes. A lot of feelings. So um, I knew it was coming up towards my trip and I reached out to the foster coordinator and just said, what do we do? I had my gut feeling because he had become incredibly bonded to me and I to him. And my question to her was, I'm leaving. One, not only am I moving, but I'm leaving. Like, I'm going to be gone for six weeks. Do we find another foster for him or do we make this call? Like, we have all this data about his symptoms and how they were progressing. Is this sad for you, Peaches? I think this is upsetting, Peaches. I think this is upsetting, Peaches. Despite... Their disagreements at etiquette. They were both occasion. very strong-willed. They were very strong-willed. Yes. Yes, you you butted heads with with Huck on occasion. <laughs> but I I knew in my heart I really wanted to be there whenever we had to let him go mm-hmm. because I was his person. Now I was his person. I was the one he loved and that he trusted. And so the thought of giving him up to someone else and the stress that that would put him through that was like. It was too much for me. Well, I can also see how someone might think, but if he had a few more days, isn't that selfish of you, Jesse? But those few more days without you for him would have been nothing but stress and confusion. It's like, why did Jesse abandon me? Yes. And that is what I did not want. And that is what I was scared of because there had been times when I had tried a little bit of trial separation from him and it did not go well at all. He, even in that same house as me, if I would shut the door to a room, he would just cry and try to literally chew through a door to get to me. And I'm like, okay, I don't think, I just, I agree that it wouldn't have been, I knew in my heart and in my gut that it wouldn't have been what was best for him to try to find another foster and to not be there with him. So we had to make that call. uh, And my perspective I think it would have been more selfish of you to say, this is somebody else's problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what it. <laughs> you what take it, care of this. I'm getting on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't imagine not being there. So we made that call. We set the time and I made sure that, I mean, all of his days with me were, I mean, he had Totino's pizza rolls like every day and, and he had a he had a great life. And he loved rides. He loved car rides. We would just get in the car the last couple of weeks that I knew he was going downhill. We'd just get in the car and go for a ride around the block because I knew he loved to get in the car. And so we would just do that just for fun because I knew he loved it. 
And our last day I really loved, we went on a nice, beautiful, long walk where he got to run a little bit because we had a spot where he could go off leash and he loved that. But as a good boy knew, like I get back on my leash at this point Mm -hmm. and we continue on. We went for a nice car ride and we went to McDonald's and bought a quarter pounder with cheese and an eight piece chicken McNugget with fries Mm -hmm. and a nice big water. And he ate all of it in like... Two minutes, and um, I got to be with them the whole time. And so they had asked me if I wanted to full be there, and I was like, yes, I want to be there. I can't not be there with him during this. And, again, I just cannot say it enough. The staff is so compassionate and so wonderful and, you know, had warned me things that could happen when mm-hmm. when that happens. Um, I've been there before, so... I just knew that I needed to be there with him. And so the vet was crying. I was crying. They just handed me Kleenexes, fed him a nice big chocolate brownie because why not? Enjoy some chocolate. Yes. Yes. So it was still like when I think about that, it's always hard to let let a friend go and somebody that just somebody loves you so much like they do. Like, dogs love you, and that was why I wanted to be able to give that love back. Well, being a hospice foster is clearly not for everyone. Right. (laughs) And even for those who do undertake that responsibility, it's not always easy. But it had to be so rewarding. Yes, and I have to say that one of the things that really pushed me to want to do the hospice fostering was when... I came home to be with my dad when we had to let his dog cross over. And when that happened, he and I, my dad and I both are just hysterical, like inconsolable, you know, ridiculously ugly crying. Mm -hmm. The vet tech was like, do you want a Kleenex? And I'm like, bring me the whole box. But in that moment, as we were saying goodbye and we were there with that sweet boy of ours, I just had this very clear moment of I am so lucky to be so sad because Mm -hmm. I knew love so great. And if this is the result of loving something and being loved, I'll do it every time. And that was the thought of what led me to think that I, I'd be a, I'd be good for a hospice and that I could I could really love a dog. And if you're feeling that love, which then puts you in a position to feel that grief. Yes. The other side of that love is a dog that was receiving that love. Mm-hmm. And giving it back times a million. Oh, yes. Yes. Times a million. That dog loved me so, so much. And he loved Rosa so much, too. Yes. It was it was fun watching that relationship develop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You watched it, too, didn't you, Peaches? Peaches is making all the noise, and Rosa is just laying over there being a good studio guest. <laughs> um, Rosa does not warm up to dogs very fast. So no. she, she grudgingly gave her love to Huck. But then when she was in, she was all in. Yes, yes. Their relationship really had a turning point whenever we were out one 
day in like our, the little side yard near our apartment and a, another dog uh, was out and kind of got a little aggressive towards Huck and Rosa ran in between them, mother dog like. <laughs> That's my like, Huck. <laughs> you don't do that to him. I can do that to him, but you can't like a big sister. Mm-hmm. And it was from that moment on that I think they're both like, okay, yeah, like yeah. we're we're good. We're a pack. Yeah. Exactly. We both love this human and we're both going to protect her and love her even though he nudged her out of bed on occasion. Well, there's only so much room. There is only so much room. Only so many <laughs> only so many binkies. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a foster. Thank you for sharing your story. What does someone need to do if they want to be a foster, whether it's hospice or otherwise, with KC Pet Project? Just reach out. Like You can just go on their website. They have everything on their website so you can foster and find out more about fostering and the process. And then I always say, like, if you want some experience, start by volunteering and doing a dog's day out and getting have helping some of these dogs get out of the shelter, even if it's just for a day. So if you can't yeah. commit to a long-term thing, but you can commit to one day. Yeah. Dog day that's out. Huge. That's a, a five hour foster. Yeah. It's huge to give those dogs a little reprieve. From and the as someone who's, who's done that, you can see the difference in the dog, let alone when you walk a dog at KC pet project, you can see them change once they get out of their kennel. Once you put them in a car, uh huh. It's transformative. Oh yeah, that was that was Huck when he saw he was getting to go in my car that first time. He was like, "Heck yeah, let's do this!" He was so excited. He never turned down a car ride. Yeah, it's a it's a really big thing. So no matter what you think you might want to commit to, whether it's hospice foster, or regular foster, or just even walking dogs or a dog day out, that makes a huge difference. We feature Casey Pet Project on Dog Words because we have a relationship with mm-hmm. them, but they're not the only shelter in Kansas City. No, we And several. certainly not the, the only one in our listening audience. So yes. if, if someone's interested in being a foster, contact your local shelter. Yes. Not only does it help that dog that you're fostering, but if it's something beyond a dog day out, that opens up a kennel for another dog. Exactly. And there's only so much space in shelters. And KC Pet Project is a no-kill shelter. Mm-hmm. There are other shelters that are kill shelters. So you might think, well, so what if I open up a space at KC Pet Project? Those dogs are, are, are safe anyway. You open up a space. They can take a dog from Out. some other shelter that isn't no-kill. Yeah. So by fostering a dog, you could be saving multiple lives. Yes. Consider fostering, consider KC Pet Project, or any reputable shelter. Absolutely. It's worth it. Do it. Thank you again, Jesse, and we look forward to having you on again soon because we have some other dog-related topics that we're going to cover. So if you enjoyed this interview with Jesse, there's going to be more. Yay. If you have a dog foster story that you'd like to share with Dog Words listeners, use the submission form on the podcast page at rosyfund.org. On Dog Words, we offer tips and tricks. Today, we're offering you a tip. If your dog is uncooperative when you try to give them a bath in your shower or bathtub, smear some peanut butter on the wall. The smell of the peanut butter might make it easier to get them into the tub or stall. 
And of course, once they're in, that might keep them occupied long enough for you to get them all cleaned up. You might find that after doing this a few times, you don't need to use nearly as much peanut butter as they have decided being in the bath is not so bad. That's our tip today from Dog Words. If you have any tips or tricks for us to share with other listeners, you can submit those on the podcast page at rosyfund.org. Thank you for listening to Dog Words presented by Rosie Fund. I'm Phil Hatterman. I want to thank our guest, Jesse Schroyer, and our in-studio guests, her dog Rosa and my dog Peaches. To learn more about fostering with Kansas City Pet Project, go to kcpetproject.org and click on Programs. You'll see links for fostering, dog day out, and sign up for dog foster, cat foster, and other pet foster. Yes, you can foster things other than dogs and cats. Find out more at kcpetproject.org. And I'd also like to thank alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's episode of Dog Words. To learn more about The Wires, go to thewires.info. That's T-H-E-W-I-R-E-S dot I-N-F-O, thewires.info, and download The Wires on iTunes. Visit rosyfund.org for more information about Rosie Fund and today's guests. While you're there, please click on the links for Facebook, Instagram, our free YouTube channel, and Amazon Smile. And check out the store in the Rosie Fund Town Square. Download and subscribe to Dog Words on your favorite podcast platform, and please share this podcast. This helps us with sponsorships, and Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the website, and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Remember, we save each other. 